Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In this portrait of parental sacrifice and love of a father for his son, former wrestler Kahi, played by real-life Olympian champion Levon Tatiashvili, embarks on a journey from his home in the Republic of Georgia to visit his son Soso, played by Yorgi Tablisi, in a Russian-speaking neighborhood of Brighton Beach, Brooklyn. I'm going to leave it there because there's so much to this story, and, and when I say that, what I mean is there's so many wonderful people that we get to meet along the way of this journey of Kaki as he goes to see his son. There's so much here. The film is called Brighton Four, and we're so fortunate to have with us today the director of the film, and that would be Levin Kogashvili. Yes. Levin, Levin, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Very nice to be your your guest. Thanks for inviting. Thank you so much. Let me just let our listeners know that Brighton Fourth is a film with a storyline for sure. The brilliance of the film is its ability to to bring out these people's souls as we move through the story. And the people in this film are so rich and the characterizations are so well-defined in the way that uh, it's put together. And I just want to truly compliment you on, for me, I love films like this. I love where we get to know the people in the film because it enriches the story. No matter what the story is, it's enriched by your ability, the ability of a filmmaker to make these people real to us. And you've done this so beautifully. I know you work with Boris Fruman on the story, but let's talk a a little bit about where the story came from and how you came to work with Boris. And um, let's go from there. How did this all start? Okay, so uh, Boris was my teacher at NYU, New York University graduate film program. And uh, he and I loved very much his classes. And uh, basically, uh, it was the place where I, I started to understand, uh, you know, what kind of movies I want to make, how to make them. And it was like an amazing discovery. And it all happened in New York City. So it was a wonderful place to be. And uh, uh, being there, I had to find stories uh, which emotionally could be very relevant to me and important. And I discovered the world of uh, Georgian immigration, which became a very active end of 90s after the fall of uh, Soviet Union, when lots of people from ex-Soviet countries um, uh, moved to different, uh, you know, Western countries to find better life and uh, means for life. So lots of Georgians came to America on tourist visas and overstayed them and stayed illegally, picking up different jobs. You know, for women, it was... uh, taking care of elderly and, you know, for men was mostly construction business or moving or uh, taxi driving. It was very interesting, um, uh, um, I would say, world, you know, with people without pretty much, with very bad or no English at all, without legal papers, uh, from different cultural backgrounds coming to New York. uh, And it was kind of survival. Uh, life. I found lots of stories among those people, you know, and you know, I became student at film school and I decided I should make films about those guys and uh, those women. 
And um, I made a couple of short films. I made a documentary about called Women from Georgia, which is about women working in America, uh, taking care of elderly. So I, I started discovering this world. Uh, and it was basically those films were my perspective on America in a way, but from my Georgian angle. Uh, then uh, at some point, uh, I understood that I, I could try to find a story for a feature film and offer it to some, I don't know, New York independent film producers, because especially my short film called The Depth went to Sundance, which was, you know, big deal for a student. And I, I saw that there's a chance to make my debut feature film in New York somehow. And I literally moved to Brighton Beach for some time collecting stories. And I was sharing those stories with my, at that time, teacher, Boris, you know, because we had the same understanding of film, stories, scripts, you know, visual. Uh, and I was taking lots of pictures as well on my photo camera and sharing this with Boris. And we were discussing and it was amazing time when you, you understand that you're getting some very good stuff for a script, you know. And we, I was almost ready to start working on a script, but then I was offered to do a movie in Georgia. Uh, and I hesitated, you know, it was like a big decision. Should I stay in New York and try to make my first movie there or should I go back to Georgia? So after, you know, some <laughs> thoughts and hesitations, I moved back to Georgia and made my first film there. And then I made another and another. And so I stayed there. And uh, so Bright and those, this story, a feature film story, was some, somehow forgotten in a way. And then Boris reminded me several years after you know, and because we all my films which are made in georgia we wrote together as well so it's like teacher becoming your co-writer and you know it's, it was this kind of uh, dynamics of relationship between us and uh, he told me you know we made some georgian movies maybe you try to make your new york movie and uh, based on the notes and uh, you know the photos you made long time ago as a student so and he wrote the first draft and I really liked it. And it was not like my immediate decision from the very beginning because I, I had a feeling that I already left the city. You know, I already left this world and maybe I, I, it will be difficult to go back uh, in those uh, emotions again. And uh, But then also producer who wanted to work with me, he liked the idea of making movie in New York. And so it all came together. I understood that, you know, I should try and go to my roots <laughs> again, <laughs> to New York, the guerrilla filmmaking, you know. Um, so, that, yeah, that's how it started. And well, well, two key elements in the film have to do with the lead actor, uh, Levon Tetyashvili, who plays Kahi, and he has it all in, in the sense of you can see in his face, you can see in his bearing, the way that he carries himself, that this is a character that he plays that feels like it's just a part of him. Um, I don't know much about his background. So fill me in. How did you come to him as the lead in this film? Um, so I had to either find an actor of, of this age because we were, Boris created this character uh, of an uh, ex-wrestler in his, you know, in the beginning, we thought he would be in his late 50s. Then we thought maybe a little bit older. So we didn't know. It was always those kind of things. It depends on the, what kind of actor you find and you adjust it, you know. Started to cast some Georgian actors. I wasn't quite happy. 
and then I thought uh, because I all I used to work with non-professional actors as the lead characters in my previous film, so I had this experience, and I wasn't afraid to try to work on this, you know, on this uh, role with a professional guy. So I started looking among uh, ex-wrestlers, and I met uh, several of them. And George is pretty rich with the wrestlers. You know, we have like many Olympic champions, world champions, like really, you know, interesting uh, faces and guys. And and uh, there are a couple of very interesting choices. And Levante Diashvili is probably the most famous uh, among uh, ex-wrestlers because he was two-time Olympic champion, a five-time world champion. So I'm like an unbeatable Muhammad Ali of wrestling, you know, in a way. And so, and also very, uh, he was famous for his very artistic style of wrestling, you know, and he, and he looked very interesting, you know, handsome man when he was young. And, uh, and I saw his photos as an old man with a beard and I liked him as well. And so I said, but uh, there was mom issue he, with his health condition because he can't hear uh, Basically, in one year, he has uh, almost, he can't hear at all. And through uh, the second year, it's like 10, 15%. So it was tough decision to work with a guy with such a problem. And also other, some other health problems, you know, diabetes. So it was, I was, but then when I met him, he was so charming and um, emotionally strong that I, I saw that I should, uh, you know, uh, ignore those health problems and try to go in this journey with him and uh, and tr also to use his maybe his because he doesn't pretty much he doesn't hear very well so uh, I, I thought maybe he would should, should be most of the time silent you know and just be there so you know it's you adjust to the actor and the, his presence as a director and find a way how to use uh, it was obvious that he won't be able to do like complicated blocking or something like that, you know. And so it was about like a, his simple presence, simple and strong presence in the frame. So basically, yeah, that's how we did it. You know, it wasn't easy, but also he brought a lot of his own stuff in the film, you know, like his smiles and laughs and, you know, his jokes from time to time, lots of improvisation because his amazing humor as well. And uh, so, and being there with the camera and waiting when something interesting happens, you know. What you're talking about in terms of his, the he hearing issue that you had described in scenes that where he doesn't respond immediately to a, in, in a conversation, that pause, that, that moment of silence creates this sort of bearing on it for his character. It gives it this sort of acquired wisdom that you as you're watching him, he feels like a, a man who has lived his life um, and has gained a tremendous amount of insight into the human condition. I just, that's how I felt watching him. He felt very much a presence in and of himself just to be in a scene. I agree. I agree. Also, you know, uh, th that's what happens when you have a person with a biography who lived his life, as you said, absolutely I agree with it. Because uh, with, in case of Levan, we have the guy with, uh, because it's, it's a tough job to win two Olympics, you know, it's, a, it's a something about very strong character. And also, mm, uh, he, besides these victories, he had a um, uh, huge uh, drama in his personal life. 
because in 1992 he went to the war. Uh, there was a war in Georgia in 90, early 90s, uh, with a breakaway region called Abkhazia, which was supported by Russia. So it was basically you know, hidden R- Russian Georgian war. Uh, and uh, so he, his son went to the war, and Levan went with him. And uh, his son uh, was hit by bullet in the artery, and Levan carried in his hands his son to the hospital as he was smiling and dying in his hands, you know, and he died, his son died in his hands. So, so you have this amazing champion with a, who went to the war with his son and who died in, in his hands. So it's, and it's all on his face also, you know, so it is. You know, it's a strength uh, and uh, tough decisions, but in a very charming and silent guy. So, our minor listeners were speaking with the director of this brilliant narrative film, Brighton Fourth. That would be Levin Kukashvili. You mentioned the story of him and his son, and this film centers around a son, a son um, Soso, and that's mm-hmm. played by Georgi Tablice. And it is the story of his gambling issues and what brings him to America is to help sort out whatever it is going on with him. And it's also the story of this incredible community um, in Brighton Beach of the people who, as you mentioned earlier, have come to this country over many, many years. And it's also a story about class. It's a story about opportunity, kind of this sort of ghettoization of people who are here legally and not so legally and there's so much going on but it is a story about family and the actor uh, as i just mentioned who plays so so is wonderful and he has this again as opposed to the sort of the bearing of his father who's sturdy steady so so is kind of hunched over he feels he has just the way he carries himself he's a man who is burdened by many things. And it it just plays off, these, these two characters play off of each other in, in kind of that way. Is that, again, I want to be fair. Yes. Uh, you know, Soso represents um, the generation of 90s, which uh, basically all my films, which I made in Georgia, uh, was a, they were main topic because it's my generation. We call them lost generation, you know, because it's a generation uh, who went uh, through all these turmoils of uh, post-Soviet transition, tough time, with, accompanied with wars and you know all those t- interesting times, so-called, you know. Uh, so and not many people survived emotionally, and uh, and they opposite from the father's generation. Uh, because and they're a little bit lost in life, so probably uh, Soso, someone uh, he belongs to those these lost guys. And for me, it's something that I I like to discover because it's a story of my generation. You know, for me personally, I think it was amazingly interesting to live through, through these difficult times because it gave me lots of stories, lots of personal experience as a filmmaker, and. I, I remember a little bit of Soviet time. I remember very well uh, uh, this transition time with, you know, these tough uh, times and then the birth of a new Georgian country, you know, in a way. So I went through all these times and 
all those periods, they were, you know, very intense and very interesting. And witnessing those events, um, you know, I, it gave me a lot as a person, as a filmmaker. Uh, but I remember people who went uh, were a little bit lost on the, in all those you know, and the physically died in those you know wars and you know situations. Soso is someone who struggles, and he has father who carries some kind of you know different kind of approach to life, which is based on dignity and some kinds of nobility and inner strength, and he, and he's not pretty much there with his. No vices and uh, uh, weak behaviors in many cases, but he also has some kind of strong presence, you know. So it's mixed. It's an ambiguity which I like very much in actors and people, and I think he has a lot of it. He reminded me of Dustin Hoffman in Midnight Cowboy. Mm -hmm. Not quite as frenetic, not certainly not the same that same sort of personality type, but someone who is a good person who really wants to do right by his girlfriend or, but seems to have sort of lost the, his moral compass or bearing or is overwhelmed by he, the circumstances he finds himself in. But in those quiet moments, he's an exceedingly decent and, and loving son. And he's sort of just the way he carried himself that, that sort of that hunched over, you know, mm -hmm the way we were describing earlier and but an empathetic person nonetheless uh, i mean dusty hobman's role is a gigantic in you know, one of my favorites and of course it has of course amazing structure as well of behavior and it's so, so well written yes but i yeah i agree the, the same approach you know and uh, generally uh, american movies from 70s uh, where my uh, major inspiration, both in storytelling and visual, and so this is a cinema which I love very much, and including, of course, uh, Midnight Cowboy. And I mean, it's such a great. So these films are so great, and so it's a combi amazing combination of auteur cinema and uh, great, great uh, storytelling at the same time, which I think so characteristic for american great films you know they have this blending amazing blending you know to those two things you know they're so artistic and at the same time they're so entertaining in a good way so it's a great combination well levin i'm going to geek out a little more on film references in regard to your film this also reminds me i mentioned before we started there's a there's this neorealism to the film um, I'm thinking of American filmmakers who work in New York a lot. Sean Baker, when he started out with Takeout and Prince of Broadway, um, Ramin Barani, uh, the Satvi brothers. There's mm -hmm. films that are being made in New York and and in ethnic neighborhoods who are who are in finding these stories that are so they're so enriching. I I really felt watching this film like the plot was. And this may may not be exactly the right word, I, I but it felt like an op. Well, I was going to say excuse, but an opportunity to get to know these people. That's really at the end of the day, what I'm what I take away from this film is the people I got a chance to spend some time with. I, I agree. You know, it's always an excuse to discover certain uh, places, certain you know behavior of people. It's always excuse. The plot gives you it has to give has to give you a chance as a filmmaker 
to explore interesting cinematic unusual behavior people or, or, or group of people you know that's what i like in movies and uh, that's why you know it, when you write and when you work on a script you it's it's always a opportunity uh, and possibility to discover unusual unseen before behavior people and in neighborhoods and or specific places like this gambling house or whatever you know yeah that's what that's what you're looking for you know as a director once again i want to remind our listeners we're speaking with levon kokwashvili he is the director of the film brighton fourth and it is coming out this week february 11th so all the information on how you can see it you can it will be screening at the lemley theaters here in los angeles but uh you can go to filmschoolradio.com to to get all the information about it as well and there's a couple of characters i i just can't not mention <laughs> and that is uh, sergo the the singer yeah. i just mm-hmm. loved his character absolutely and 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 the and the part he plays near the end of the film it just is so uh emotionally um resonant um it, there's so many great characters in this film there really are the the Kazakh that we find Farik, Farik uh mm-hmm. who's cheating people out of money um uh Natella there's there is just again there's it's just they're everywhere in this film every scene has its own kind of internal beauty to it and and it's and and it's again a testament to your not only as the writing but also the as a director to bring us immediately into these different worlds the community center where they're singing and playing and just so many different elements to it that just are so beautifully rendered and uh, but Sergo I don't know if you want to make any comment about him where you found him or how he came into the project but I just loved him. Sergo was an amazing actor. He's he was a screen legend and see, he was very big theater actor uh, in Georgia. Uh, he, and he was basically the star of Soviet cinema, I would say. And he's like a like this this classical you know theater with a big actor with a theater background background you know uh, bigger than life uh, always. Uh, and uh, putting him among those real people was amazing, you know and. Uh, Mm, but he was a wonderfully professional person who could adjust to any any environment, and we were lucky to have him. Uh, it's a tragedy that he unfortunately died just before the film was released, and we even dedicated the film to his memory. Mm, and then, and it was because he was also in my previous film uh, called Blind Dates. It's also a narrative film, and he played also. I, his part was one of my favorite experiences of working with actors so i initially he was not in the script but then i thought we have to have him in this film and we create this character of opera ex-opera singer and we edit into the script just to have a possibility of working with uh sergo you know it was one of those directorial decisions you know when you just want to work with a person you know well you made the an excellent choice in my opinion and he is just he's just great and that and again that's i want to give anything away but that is such a touching moment in the film when he comes back um into uh 
into their lives. It's just remarkable. And before I let you go, I can't let you get away without it, at least talking about the look of the film. It is beautiful. And you were working with an accomplished uh, cinematographer, uh, Faden Papa Michael, who's done Trial of Chicago 7 in Nebraska. This has a little bit of a Nebraska feel to it in the cinematography. Talk a little bit about him. Yeah, and Fedon is a longtime friend, and uh, he's a wonderful cinematographer, probably one of the best cinematographers working cinema nowadays. And I love uh, his work in many films, with, you know, those that he just mentioned, uh, especially Nebraska and other Alexander Payne movies, but he also did uh, amazing work with James Mangold. And I also loved his film, uh, his work in uh, Pursuit of Happiness uh, with Will Smith, which was amazingly uh, shot, and it's a great film as well. And uh, Fedon happens to have a Georgian wife, who's a good friend also, and he spends uh, lots of time in Georgia. The, during one of his uh, Georgian visits, uh, we would spend with time, lots of time together, and we would, as usual, having the, like dinner with lots of Georgian wine. And I was asking him, uh, you know, you know, advice, uh, you know, who could him, who could he advise, like inexpensive American cinematographer who could do this film in Brighton Beach. And at some point, probably he got a little bit too drunk and <laughs> told me that uh, he has time, you know, to do it if we shoot it in, you know, not if it, if it doesn't take too long. So and we jumped on this opportunity and. So it was amazing to have Fedon, uh, who is usually working with a lots of crew, and on our film he almost had no crew. Uh, so and using mostly natural lights, but his amazing sense of light and the framing and um, composition was great help, and also a wonderful experience for me to work with a cinematographer of that caliber and. Uh, uh, for style and visual look, we pretty much share the same uh, taste in terms of like, uh, as we as we mentioned, uh, the main inspiration were like uh, American movies of 70s and the look of this Kodak, Kodak uh, film uh, of those with black tones and, you know, the composition, the re pretty, pretty realistic films, but very poetic at the same time, mm, like Halashbi movies, like Last Detail, Right. Mm, uh, French Connection, you know, of course, uh, early Scorsese, which is, you know, great and my, my major inspiration generally in filmmaking. And so, yeah, and some Italian movies, which we love and uh, some Georgian paintings, which I showed him. Uh, and he also knows Pirosmani, which is a wonderful painter from early 19th century, early 20th century with his compositions and color. Uh, Palais, and so yeah, it was pretty much uh, like a very easy communication understanding of being on the same ground in terms of visual style and a look of the film. Well, I will say to our listeners that the scene near the end of the film where the wrestling match takes place is a master class, in my opinion, a master class in cinematography and framing and and pace and everything about it. It's just beautiful to look at. Thank well, I, I wanna thank you so very much. It's, um, it's one of the reasons why I do this show is for films like Right and Forth and um, the opportunity 
to not only to see a great film, to see great performances, to see it, how beautiful it is, but an, also an opportunity to meet and talk to filmmakers like yourself. This is just a really terrific film. And thank you so very much. Um, the film again, Brighton Forth, we've been talking with Levin Kouashvili, uh, the director and producer of the film and be looking for this. Uh, it's coming out here to Los Angeles this Friday, uh, February 11th. And thank you so very much for your time here today. Thank you. It was a, very, a huge pleasure to be your, uh, the guest of your wonderful program. And uh, thanks for support and, uh, you know, an interest in our film. It really means a lot. And I'm very excited the film be, will open in LA. Uh, and you know it's a wonderful experience and uh, so hope there will be audience who will watch the film and it, on the screen especially you know nowadays it's a, such a wonderful rare opportunity to to be able after all the all this pandemic to go and watch watch movies in the cinema it's so important thank you thank you so much thank you thank i appreciate you. very thank much You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Radio.